0: Welcome to Foothills Youth Podcast, where we help people follow Jesus. I hope these resources are a blessing to you. We are a student ministry based out of Northwest Calgary, and our hope, our desire, is that we see students become resilient disciples in a post-Christian nation. So may this podcast just be a blessing to you in your journey. Okay, so... um, I wasn't here last week, most for a different reason than I thought I wasn't going to be here last week. Uh, I was super sick. I was supposed to be at a youth pastors retreat, but that didn't happen. Um, but I'm grateful for Dallas who came in and shared on like a pretty, uh, not like it depends who you talk to, controversial topic about women in ministry and the whole um, church two movement that's that has happened with with abuse instances. Uh, I actually don't know if he talked about that, but did he talk about that? A little bit. A little bit? Okay, good. Um, <laughs> excuse me. And, uh, and, and so what I want to do moving into this like, series is basically I want to just say a few things. One, we're going to assume every time we come together and we talk, we're going to assume that the Bible is God's holy and uh, holy-breathed word, and we fall under its authority. So what I'm going to talk about you, with you tonight is super Bible-heavy because I, want, I can come up with my own answers, I can even hypothesize some answers that might seem real and seem um, true and right. But I'm going to go with the Bible. uh, And that's kind of how we're going to roll with this. The other thing is, I don't expect you to fland in the same place that I do on some of these. There is some stuff when it comes to the Christian faith we all have to agree on. Some of the things that we're talking about aren't necessarily those things. We're... So if you ever have a question or a concern or you're like, that sounded off or whatever, but that's not going to be when I speak. Um, (laughs) Feel free to come and talk to me next week. It'll be a New Testament or Old Testament prof. So you probably won't be able to argue with him on most of the stuff that he says, but it's going to be good. You actually really want to be here. He's going to be talking about how does God is God different in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. So next week, you really, really, really want to be here for that. But growing up, for me, there were some rules that we all had to agree on. A, my parents would say, you don't have to like each other, my brothers and I, but you have to love each other. Right? I was, And then they didn't care what we did, mostly. Um, the, the other thing was, you had to walk the dog. I don't care where you walk the dog, as long as the dog is walked. There were some things that we had to do, and then there were some things that, didn't make as much of a difference. So we're talking about predestination tonight. We're talking about where do babies go when they die. We're talking about, um, what else are we talking about? Um, what happens to people who never had a chance to hear about Jesus. And some of these are going to be super quick answers. Some of these I don't have the full answer for. Job uh, 11 or one eleven talks about how, how can we know everything there is to know about God. So there is some mystery in all of this. We're, I'm going to read you the Bible, but then there's some stuff that we, I don't necessarily have an answer for, but I want you to chew on it and just like wrestle with it yourself because that's what faith is all about. So there's a few things I can get quickly out of the way. Oh, one more thing. When it comes to the conversation about, um, about predestination, uh, in my opinion... Where my baggage comes in this is in the... I've been theologically bullied by some people who, who, who hold predestination very firmly and say, this is the only way, and if you're not, you're an idiot. They wouldn't say it that way, but they would maybe talk to you as if you were. So I'm not in any way, shape, or form okay with theological bullying. I'm okay with conversation. I'm okay if you fall in a different place than I come, than I fall into, and we can sit down and we can have a conversation about it. That's what I'm all about. I'm not about shoving down um, doctrinal beliefs down your throat. Okay? So if somebody does that to you, automatically write them off because there is no grace in their heart. They need the grace of Jesus, and then, then they can talk to you. Right? Like, so maybe don't say that to their face, but it'll work. Um, okay, people who died before Jesus. Real quick answers. Just a couple of examples. Uh, if you read in the Old Testament, when some big patriarch or just a very godly person would die, it would say they would be gathered to their people. What does that mean? I don't exactly know. <laughs> but I'm assuming the people are the people who came before them who died. And you look at people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. All of these situations, when they said when they would pass, they would, they would be gathered to their people. So I'm assuming there, there is a place where God would bring them once their life was over, I, there's doesn't say exactly where. Well, is it heaven? Is it rest? Because there's others that when Samuel, the prophet with David, that guy, um, after he died, Saul, the, the evil king, Saul, um, actually brought him back to life. AKA, like went to a witch and was like, "I got to chat with Samuel real quick," um, and uh, and and actually brought him his spirit. It's in the Bible. You can read it. Um, and, uh, and asked him a question, and Samuel said to Saul, why did you awake me from my rest? Which, is that where all the other people were resting? <laughs> I don't know. But there's, there's this, it's assumed in that, that there, once they had died, there was some form of rest. Now, whether that's heaven, I'm not sure, until we get to Jesus. And what Jesus says to the, the criminal on this, who's died beside him, who says, Remember me, Jesus, when you've come into your kingdom. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, whether it's Jesus that automatically opened the gate for people to go to heaven, I'm not sure. Maybe Enoch went to heaven, was like taken straight up. So was Elijah, Elijah, um, went straight up, uh, bypassed that whole death thing, went to heaven. So, I'm not exactly sure. But what happened to people who died before Jesus? There's also one story in Matthew 27, 52 that we never read in church. That says, when Jesus died, graves of the saints were opened and some came back to life and went and met people. Can you imagine, like, Uncle George dying last week? If you have an Uncle George and he died last week, I'm so sorry. Um, Sometimes I don't think about what I say, but I'm assuming not. And, like, you have his funeral the week before, Jesus dies, all of a sudden he's walking through town. Like, what the heck? Anyways, all that to be said. All that to be said, for people who died before Jesus, there's no cohesive answer. But there are some answers. We in with that? That okay? Yeah? Any questions on that one? No? Okay, cool. Um, oh, yeah. The, uh, the, the people who never had a chance to hear about Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Romans. Romans chapter 1. We're going to be super Bible heavy. Um, so if you don't have a Bible, let me know. We'll get you one. Um, because this is the case. There are, there are tribes of people. There are people all around the world who the gospel has not reached yet. What do we do with that? How do we deal with that? So, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. This is what it says. 4. God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness. And, ri- and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature, have clearly been seen since the creation of the world. You catch that? God's divine nature. He has revealed himself. This is called general revelation for those of you who care. He has revealed himself in the world, a.k.a., What Paul is saying is that nobody is without excuse. Now, that's hard. (laughs) That's a little bit tough to chew on. Because if he's revealed himself through creation, does that mean everybody knows about God and if they don't follow Jesus, they're rejecting God? Not exactly. (laughs) Because Paul tells us how to be saved. How do we give our lives over to Jesus and how to be rescued from our sins? And he says that in Romans 10. Now, the first thing you need to understand, though, is that we are all marked with sin. Whether we have heard the gospel or not, we all carry around the, the, the consequences of Adam's sin. When Adam sinned in the garden, Adam and Eve, we are all guilty of that same rebellion. We, at some point in our lives, whether we realize it or not, said to God, no thank you, by our actions, through our sin, through what we decided to do, through the, the brokenness that is our world. You don't have to go far. I was reading the news last night. I don't know why I did that before I went to bed, but, and, and I'm reading, like, stories of this awful, like, ritual that happened in Panama that somebody who said they were the church came and, like, gathered a bunch of people in and, like, blindfolded them and, then just started killing people, saying that this is for the church, like it was awful. And and I I just look at that and I'm like, mmm, sin. Like brokenness, complete and utter brokenness. So we all are marked by sin. That's just the reality of our lives. We all have the consequence. Humanity is responsible together. We have what I would say a natural, natural inclination away from God. That whole we have been shown God through his creation, he's revealed himself, and at times we've said, no thank you. So, how then do we be saved from that? And we'll get into the predestination conversation at the very end. Um, Through hearing the gospel. Because Romans 1 said the, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. There is, it's through declaring Jesus is Lord that you will be saved. Romans 10, 13 to 17 says, Exactly this. If you want to know how to be free from the consequences of your sin, this is what it says For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then? So, we're going to answer that question about what do we do with people who haven't heard the gospel. How then can they call on him and have. How can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. So, we're, there's an expectation now for those of us who follow Jesus. Well, And I get it. When people tell you, go share your faith, go share your faith. If you haven't been transformed by the love of Jesus, there will be no power in your message. There won't be. If you don't know the love of Jesus, you need to ask. You need to get alone with God. You need to take your Bible. You need to go grab a journal. and You need to go and you need to be by yourself and ask Jesus, who are you? And then open this up and figure it out. Because when you go and you enter into your Bible and you read his God-breathed word, you are encountering the living god. This is a guaranteed place of encounters when we're in this. So, how do we deal with the fact that there are some people that haven't heard the gospel? That should be the fire under our bellies. Is God calling you to missions? I'm not saying he is. And I've had enough people come and talk to groups that I've been in and say, "We need help." We're going and and almost try to guilt it, but I realize I'm not seeing it as guilt. They just have a love for people who've never heard the gospel. So there are people in this world who have not heard the gospel. And there are actually, because we're living in a post-Christian nation, there are people in your school who have not heard the gospel yet. And if you don't know how to explain the gospel, that's a different talk. But, oh, yeah. this is So, are you tracking with me? Yeah? It's okay if I, if you say no. Okay. So, there are people who haven't heard the gospel, but... They need to, and that is the part of the church, that the partnership with the church. So then, the whole babies thing, where do they go if they die? Now, this is obviously a little bit of a closer topic for me now. Um, but this is a conversation that's, I don't know if, there, there, I, I think there's a biblical answer for this. Um, but here's what I've got. Though they may not be innocent of the original sin of Adam, because we're all, as Psalm 51 says it, I, I was sinful even in my mother's womb. They are incapable of making an informed decision for Christ. So, 2 Samuel 12, 23 talks about when David sleeps with Bathsheba, and the first baby that they have together um, dies, and, and David um, is, is mourning and praying and then when he hears that the child is dead he cleans himself up and, and it goes along by his day and, and the guys, his, his servants go, like you were praying so hard while the baby was still alive and fighting for its life and and now that it's dead, why are you like you seem to be okay and this is what David says David says, I, how how will he come back to me, one day I will go to him so, what I get from that is that that there isn't there is because God is gracious and He is good that He knows the people who have not had, who do not have the ability to make a coherent decision. Children, um, we'll go to heaven. I, that's what I believe, um, and you can fight me on it later. But <laughs> that's what I think now. To what age? I don't know. Well, at what age does this innocence go away? I'm not sure. Uh, people think it's 12. That's just the that was just the age of accountability. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, at what point can people make the decisions for themselves? I'm I've heard people who like remember when they gave their life to Jesus at three. So I'm like I don't remember what I was doing at five. So <laughs> good for you. Okay. Um, also. In Jeremiah 1, it talks about how God chose Jeremiah from the womb for what he was going to do. There's a lot in that. So this is an answer, and I hope that it helps a little bit. Okay, um, Predestination and the doctrine of free will. This is just a heavy lot. There's a lot to it, so I, I won't be able to explain everything to this. Um, if you want... I have lots of scripture on here about places that I found stuff about. You can get it. You can have it from me if you want. I don't care um, if it's helpful. But so this is what the definition of predestination. It's often a word used to signify God's foreordaining, forechoosing of all events of world history, past, present, future. Also, God's decision made in eternity before the world and its inhabitants existed regarding the final destiny of individual sinners. So, let me read you a couple of passages where we get this from. Did you catch that? It's basically the belief, the doctrine, that God has chosen who will be saved and who will not be saved. Um, and it's a little more than that. But uh, Romans 9 um, talks about uh, the, the idea that we are pre predestined. So, pre... Uh, sorry... Um, Nine verses six now it is not as though the Word of God has failed because not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, neither are all of children's abraham's children's his descendants. On the contrary, um this is not what I'm looking for um later on. let me go to where I know it is i'm going to ephesians um ephesians one uh, eleven talks about this, and it's the same author, so okay. This is what he says. In him we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. He talks about this idea that God has predestined. He uses, they use the word predestined and elect. The, the words are the same. Um, and it's to save some from sin election, and his decision to condemn others for their sin. Um, Human acts are free in the sense of of being self-determined, but the belief is that none are free from God's control according to his eternal purpose and foreordination. Because God is all-knowing, it's really hard to reconcile humans having that free will, that he is all-present. So, one more place I want to read, in, in Ephesians for you. It's Ephesians 1, 5. Um, and it, again, it, it talks about um, God before, before creation um, saying this. For he, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted His sons and daughters through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of His glorious grace that he's lavished on in the Beloved One. So, what do you do with that? Because, I don't know, growing up for me, I always was like, I have the choice whether or not I could follow Jesus or not. And then all of a sudden I heard about this doctrine that talked about how my salvation was already picked and maybe I didn't. It felt like I maybe didn't even have a choice in the matter. Does anybody kind of like their faith feels like it's like a little bit shaky right now? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Let me help you. Um, Ephesians two, ten, says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do, um, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves; it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Here's the thing: the gift that God has extended to us exactly that. It's a gift. Here's three things I want you to know about God: He's omniscient, which means He's all-knowing. This is non-negotiable. We 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 don't shake on these ones. He's omnipotent, which is means which means He's all prou- powerful, and He's omnipresent slash transcendent. He. Um, is beyond space and time. He's all present. and He he exists beyond our own understanding of reality. He knows all things. He searches all hearts and knows everyone's ways. He knows the future and the past. All his, his knowledge doesn't need to be accessed like it does for us. Like I need to sit and remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday. His knowledge is just there. And he's omnipresent. He has life in himself and draws his unending energy from himself. God is not limited by space or time. He's immutable and he's completely consistent and he engages with his creation. His feelings are not beyond his own control and what he does does is extremely deliberate. So here's where I land on all of this. If God picked those who would be saved beforehand and for some not and, and for others not, Here's where I go. I do believe that God is all-powerful. I do believe that God is all-knowing. And I do believe that God exists beyond our own understanding of reality and space. And if I believe that God is all-powerful, I also know he's all-loving. And that no matter where you fall in this argument the fact that he has taken the initi- initiative in every single relationship that he has with a human being, it's only because he initiated it. That out of his great love, out of the gift that was his salvation, that was in the person of Jesus Christ, and then sending his Holy Spirit, he started that. That I actually do believe that, God, that I cannot come to God unless he initiates relationship with me first. I can't pick and choose what I want God to be and who I don't want him to be. There is mystery here. I get that. Paul wrote all of these things about predestination. And it's okay if you don't fall, if you don't, if you hear this and you're like, ah, maybe not. I'm not going to make you. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to do anything. But here's what Paul does. And this is what I think is really important to catch. Is that Paul wrote, wrote all the things that he did. And his response to Jesus was to go preach the gospel to people who hadn't heard it yet. His response was to know Jesus because it is possible to know him and him crucified. And he followed and obeyed and loved God. He went to people who had not yet heard the gospel of Jesus. He went because of the initiation that God had taken in his life. And he went. So if you don't hear anything else but this. God has taken the initiative on your relationship. Do you know what that means? That means the creator of the world who made you, who knows you and everything about you, took the initiative because you couldn't pay the price. And he took the step in sending his son Jesus to come to live to die on your behalf for the price that you could not pay because it is his gift. But with any gift, you can say no thank you. And there are people who say no thank you. So, I believe, (laughs) I believe that God foreordained all things before the world ever existed. But I think He gave people the ability to say no, thank you, which He does. So, there are things that we need to agree on. That would be there's a thing called the Apostles' Creed, and I won't read it for you but it basically outlines everything about God that we believe to be true and hold to be true. The question that you need to answer in all of this, and trust me, this was like, honestly, if you look at my notes, it's a bit of a gong show um, because it's just so much everywhere, all over the place. But here's a question that you need to answer for your own life and for your own faith. Is Who do you say God is? And how did you come to that conclusion? And does it stand up to the authority of the Bible? And what is your response to who the Bible says that God is? That's it. That's as simple as it gets. So what we're going to do, because I want to just a little decompress, is for the next three minutes, I know maybe some of you are Christians, maybe some of you aren't. I mean, I know some of you are Christians, maybe some of you aren't. For the next three minutes what I want you to do is just find the person beside you and if you if you don't feel comfortable praying for somebody um, find a group of three and just pray together the band's going to come up and they're just going to take down while we do this Um, and then life group questions are on the chair at the back but if you have questions about this there's a lot Um, come talk to me we can have a chat about it um, but I would really encourage you to get alone with Jesus and, and open this thing up because this is his word. He's got the answer for you in it. So um, pray if you have a prayer request, whether it be for uh, some of you are writing diplomas or already have written diplomas. Some of you just get a break, which is nice. But just pray. Just whatever you sense Jesus is leading you to pray about, do so. Just in the three of you, on your marks, get set, go. Thanks, man.